Welcome to Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. As you saw, names in the opening graphic. I am here. I am Brian Lee. Mark Valentine is here. Uh, gentlemen, do either of you play piano? Can you sub in for Piano Rob? Uh, I've got some pre-played things on the piano I can just put in and it'll do it if it's an electronic one. There you go. Perfect. Well, joining us for, I think, his third time on the show, Alex from Comics and Cinema Podcast. Alex, you were on for the Loki finale as well as our hot take-a-thon. Welcome back to the show, Alex. Thanks. Very happy to be here. And then returning for his second time in just three weeks is Robert. How you doing, Robert? What's up, guys? How you doing? That's it. Multiple, multiple trips to, to the show. <laughs> it's official. You guys are definitely weird. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That is for absolute certain. We've got people showing up in the comments. Please say hi if you're here. If you're on Facebook, click that link in the comments section. That'll tell uh, or restream who you are so we know who we're talking to. Um, but back for his second appearance in as many weeks, we are going to go first and foremost to the world according to Jax. Hey, buddy. Hey, Dad. Let's give everybody your thoughts. First and foremost, we what did we go see Thursday night? Shang-Chi. Did you like it? Yes. What was your favorite part about Shang-Chi? I don't know. Who's your favorite character? Shang-Chi. <laughs> Shang-Chi was your favorite character? Yeah. Did you like all the martial arts stuff? Yeah. Alex was asking us before we came on here, is his dad a good dad? Mm, I thought so at the beginning, but at the end. Maybe not. But at the end and beginning, I thought so, but in the middle. He's um, kind of a bad dude. Do you wish you were? he was your dad instead of me? No. Oh, good. Whew. All right. All right. Well, then we also saw a pretty creepy episode of What If, right? Yeah. Who was the main character of that one? Doctor Strange. Yeah. Which, did you like that episode? Yes. What was your favorite part? Um, I'd say my favorite part. Okay, I don't know again. You don't know. It was kind of creepy though, right? Yeah. You like Doctor Strange? Yeah. You like good Doctor Strange or bad Doctor Strange? Good Doctor Strange. All right. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome, Dad. All right. That is the world according to Jax. And he had little less to say this week than he did last week. So we'll see how that works. We got to get his logo preloaded in. I love that logo. Yeah, I do have his logo. That that did work out pretty good. We got to get this Diz kid on with him. We have to. She's in bed right now. She'll she'll take over. She fills a space, my daughter. She's, She's got the genes and the gift of gab. She'll do it. All right, I believe in this window, three, two, three. Robert, was today your second time seeing Shang-Chi? Yes. We've got 10 viewings of Shang-Chi between the four of us. Alex, we are going to go to you first. Okay. What did you think of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Alex? I absolutely loved it. it, it uh, I don't know where it stands in the Marvel pantheon yet. I think only time will tell in that regard. Uh it's, it's getting there. After my third showing today, I bumped it from an eight to a nine, and I think it's it's getting really close. I was looking at some of mine in the top five. I was like, I like this better than some of these. So, yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. Everything about it was amazing. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's a lot of Chinese spoken in this movie, and I loved that. It kept me on my toes in terms of, you know, I was like, has anyone even spoken English yet? And then, you know, someone was like, oh, okay, that's right. This is a Marvel movie. But it, everything you think about a Marvel movie, this one, it kind of knocked it on its, on its head. And I loved that about it. The lore, the mythology, the character work and development and the, the performances, too, were just spectacular. Having seen the advanced screening, I was I was kind of hit up by a couple of people for being a Marvel show, saying it was very original and unlike anything else the MCU has done before. Now that it's done over 90 million on its opening weekend, which tripled the Labor Day weekend record before which is not a strong weekend for movies granted but still even a pre-pandemic record to triple it that's pretty impressive mark valentine you're holding up a five does that mean it's your in your top five or it is your fifth favorite mcu film this movie is in my top five all time of marvel it blends form and function never would i think that i would describe a marvel movie as beautiful but it is there is something beautiful about the movie the action sequences turn it up to 11 I mean, and Marvel, we know that Marvel is going to bring action sequences, right? It's like a given. You know that the action sequences and the special effects are always going to be amazing. So for me to wax poetic about this film and say that 
it does it does stuff that we've really never seen a Marvel movie take on, and it does it so well that you know we we say even stuff that we saw in the trailer that we knew was coming still exceeds our wildest expectations, and it just is it's that good. The movie, I thought maybe on the second replay, it wouldn't have that same wow effect, and it did. I mean, it it actually became a better movie that second viewing around because I think then I could have enjoyed some of the other stuff. Like you said, them speaking in Chinese and speaking in Mandarin, I appreciated those things more so in the second viewing because I wasn't hanging on the subtitles as much as I was to just to try to get all the information in the story. But there are just these little things in the movie without spoiling it that are just absolutely pitch perfect. This movie has me, guys, so hype for Phase 4 and beyond that I am so hoping that Shang-Chi becomes one of our main Avengers moving forward because he's such a compelling hero, and I just I could not help but, but root for him. I love it. I love the it's, movie, man. I love it. It's super fun that the MCU can do a completely self-contained story, something that we don't feel like we've ever seen before and then they can give us a two minute post credit scene to get us hyped for the next eight or nine years. It's pretty impressive. Robert, what did you think of Shang-Chi? Yeah, I'm like Mark's top five for me, man. That is really good. Like it's really vibrant. Like, you know, not, not to knock the other movies, but like you can tell who's the bad guys, who's the good guys, because all the colors and you know in the in the final battle scenes and stuff like that. It's just uh the action you can see the differences with like uh Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, some like Jackie Chan influence, stuff like that. It was, it was really good for me. Having seen the advanced screening, um, having to keep my mouth shut about several different things, I did not enjoy that. And then not wanting to be accused of overhyping the movie too much. I, I still don't know if I would put it in my top five. The MCU has some really, really impressive movies. It is borderline top ten. And not to fall into the low-hanging fruit, but it was it was nice to when you compare it directly with Black Widow, just to get something that we literally truly have never seen before, getting a brand new yeah. cast of characters. Um, Aquafina, she was really, really good in this movie. I don't love love everything she's done, um, but man, she had it dialed in. They knew exactly what they wanted her to be, and I think they nailed it. I just love the way they drew all of the characters in this, from the villains to the supporting cast everyone fit it just it was so crazy to see how everyone fit and you know you and i had this conversation about some of the elements that were reworked from the first screening to then it seems like they really paid close attention to that dynamic between the characters and i mean like it, they sussed it out right they clearly solved the issues that anything that you said would have been problematic in that first viewing they, it was pitch perfect to me, the relationships that developed between the characters. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you kind of have referenced it a couple times. I, at this point, I think I'm allowed to say I actually saw this movie back in February as part of a test audience. So I've known a lot of stuff for this film for a really long time, and I'm just super happy to know, uh, to have seen the world, to get it. And I'm so stoked that it's going to do $95 million this weekend because that keeps Eternals probably in November. You saw Venom change their date again. They're actually moving up now because they're a little bit more confident in the theater going audience for a movie that people want to see. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. I don't want to get negative here, Bri, and say this. Um, people have been hungry for Marvel. And I think that Black Widow, people were really hungry to get something from Marvel and Black Widow was a great appetizer, but this was the main course. This gave people what they wanted. Black Widow was fun. It was, and I, I've said this statement now 10, you know, 10 times. and I'm going to say it 10 more. The movie was just too little too late and it didn't push the narrative far enough for those of us that were really looking forward to phase four. This movie did that for us, for the fans that were saying, What's now and what's next? Black Widow was looking back and paying homage to a wonderful character in the MCU, giving her her due. Yeah, we got introduced to Florence Pugh and we got introduced to Red Guardian, but there wasn't enough there there. This movie, we talked about this. Is this movie going to have legs? 
I really believe that next week it's going to do really great off of word of mouth. This is the movie that we've been waiting for as Marvel fans, that this is setting up what is coming, and it's new faces, it's fresh narratives, it's really creative storytelling, and this is what I had hoped Black Widow would would give us, but I didn't expect that Black Widow would give us. I So, Alex, let's piggyback on top of that. When Mark says this is what audiences have been waiting for, yes, from a theatrical standpoint, but we're getting more Marvel now than we've ever gotten Marvel before. Do you... I mean, it's got to it's got to remain consistent, giving us things that we've never seen before. Loki was that. WandaVision was that. Falcon and Winter Soldier was the closest to anything regular MCU that we've gotten um, in in a while. What if is is giving us some stuff we've we've literally never seen before? Alex, do you see, especially with Eternals coming up, Spider Man? They're all so different. Do you see that Marvel fatigue setting in anytime soon? No way. I think I think they I mean, it's not a code to be cracked, but they finally realized like, oh, if we just add more diversity to our cast and stories, these are just going to infinitely feel fresh. As long as we keep telling new stories about different types of people and experiences, it's never going to feel old. And I think it's it's funny the way that you mentioned it, Mark. I, I do kind of feel like Black Widow got the short end of the stick in that regard. It almost felt like the appetizer that you order that doesn't come out until the main course. And it's like, well, I'll still eat the appetizer, but I really want that main course. I'm just going to eat that right now, too. So it it, it was a problem of its time. But now it, it really does feel like all these movies, even like the Thor and, and Doctor Strange coming out next year, even though we know them, like everything we're knowing and learning now shows me that those are probably going to be crazy different, too. Yeah, of the of the two films, if you gave me every character introduced in Black Widow or Shang Chi, as much as I love Simu Liu, I love Florence Pugh so much, and she's really got me excited for Yelena Belova to show up in in Hawkeye on November twenty fourth as well. So they're giving us plenty of good stuff, but uh, I'm I'm super excited about it. But again, they, it performed well financially. This weekend is really what it's going to tell. Mark, you said talking about the word of mouth, see what it does. This is really what's going to make a big difference in the. Uh, in the lawsuit from Scarlett Johansson as well of, of Disney plus getting its legs cut out from underneath it and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead. I don't know if that's fair though. We've talked about this. Well, I don't our, think it's fair, but yeah. it's what's going to happen. Well, we've talked and we've talked about this in our private chat. It's, it's not fair to, to say this isn't an apples to apples argument. It's, it's just not, they're two different movies. And again, you can't, you cannot blame any black widows underperformance can only be blamed on the film by its own, metrics and by its own standards black widow's availability on disney plus did not hurt it what hurt black widow was it was a story that was 10 years too late and a story that really wasn't giving us enough moving forward aside from a few new characters but the film itself didn't really excite the fan base and you can't you cannot basically say oh well now because Shang-Chi is done, let's say hypothetically, it does really well this weekend. I don't think that that inherently then adds fuel to the fire for those that are saying, well, if Black Widow had only been in theaters, it would have had a better run too. No, like the word of mouth coming off of Black Widow from a lot of people that I knew was, it was good, but uh, it doesn't really do it for, it didn't excite me as much as I thought I was going to be excited. I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's not fair to compare the two. You know, what a, 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 we just a, didn't, we just didn't give our spoiler review for Shang-Chi yet. So everybody's going to see it because we haven't given them all the answers. That's what it is. It's true. But if you do want to hear a spoiler review of Shang-Chi, as well as a preview of the comics heading in, you can go to comics and cinema podcast. These two gentlemen on the bottom talked about some, it was Shang-Chi one through five. Is that correct? Yep. The new uh, miniseries from Gene Lang. Perfect. And then, Alex, you did the Shang-Chi spoiler review this past weekend as well. Were you alone for that one? Yeah, I was, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, check out Comics and Cinema podcast. Uh, we'll get into what if now. I'm going to pull up our graphic again. We got a cool graphic this week with uh, with Doctor Strange Supreme. And, Robert, we're going to go to you first. Robert, what did you think of this week's episode of, of what if? What were your overall thoughts of it? Oh, I loved it, man. This this is uh, up there with me with the uh, the child of Star Lord. Uh, I, I kind of thought it was better than the movie, <laughs> honestly. Like you're not uh, the one saying that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out the nexus of it. It's it's just like him being with Christine because in the in the other movie, it's like 
you know, it's just it's just his hands, and this time he loses his heart, of course. But uh, I'm trying to figure out like he's still he's still the same guy trying to uh, you know fix everything. He's got that arrogance where he's trying to fix everything, just just like in in the last movie. He but, even performed the same surgery that he was successful in performing. Yeah. So the Nexus event yeah. literally just he wasn't right. as much of a of a jerk, I guess. I, I yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so I I will say I am the least favorable of this episode of the four of us for sure. It didn't land with me. Um, there was a few things about it that were really, really great. There's a couple things, and we'll get into it, that just didn't work for me. Uh, Mark is shaking his head because he loved it. Is this your favorite of the four, Mark? Uh, T'Challa still is my number one. Okay. Just from that emotional standpoint and seeing and, and hearing Chadwick Boseman again was, it. it's still, to, I, I've watched it another two times since. Uh, this is far and away number two. I mean, like, it's not close. It's T'Challa is as Star-Lord. This is very close to it. Uh, and then the others are, are a country mile away. Yeah. Alex, I know you really enjoyed this episode as well. I did, yeah. I uh, I think it might be my favorite. I, I, I was saying that if they'd have just made this the live-action movie, uh, it would have been like the trajectory for Strange going forward would have been insane with the only difference being, you know, at the end he wins in, you know, between the fight between the two of them that he wins, that would be the end of the real movie. But it just it was infinitely more interesting and gave a real, I loved it. I mean, and I, I grew up and I watch uh, Night Gallery, which is, you know, kind of a sister show to Twilight Zone. And this felt like a show, like an episode taken right out of that where nothing good happens in it, but the story is still so compelling that you can't help but watch like the episode where the guy, you know, gets his, his glasses broken at the end when he's the last guy alive. Like still super sad, but the episode is so good that you want to keep watching it. Yeah, not, not to be like to steal a pun but i i enjoyed them dealing in the element of of the strange and the weird and the unusual yeah. with this episode it yeah, was they went all out. yeah they went all out and it kind of harkened back to the twilight Zone. it gave me like twilight zone or like incredible stories vibes to it that it you knew that it was going to be very weird and very strange and it was like you couldn't turn away because the stuff that was happening was just so unique and and out of place and nothing that would be in a Marvel movie. Like this isn't the kind yeah. of stuff they would put in a Marvel movie and it was scary. It was legitimately a scary cartoon. It was it was dark and 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 Sarah says that too. It was so dark. She loved it. I, and it's not even that it was dark that I just didn't like it. I don't know. I I I there's okay, so let's let's get into it because Robert talked about we don't know what and we did we got a stellar voice cast returning. We had Tilda Swift oh, yeah. back, Benedict Squared, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Benedict Wong were both back. Rachel McAdams was back, um, but I I think what really kind of just didn't work for me, other than the fact that he was just a completely different Strange, simply because he was pursuing his romantic endeavors with with uh, Christine Palmer. I, I don't know if that's what it was. I just and honestly, and tell me if I'm alone. The car that that car that hits him and and sends him off the road, I thought that was going to be the other version of Doctor Strange that was constantly causing that to happen for whatever oh, reason. That like, would have been great. That, that didn't happen. I was like, all right, well, if I'm not right, then what's the point? But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we do get a similar uh, car crash. All that he goes to pass that semi. He, this time he saves it, and then they get hit from behind. Um, but we have a just a brand new passenger, and I guess, like you said, Robert, that's the Nexus event. But the Ancient One explains to him that this always has to happen, and and I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. Um, but it's an absolute point in time where you could not have taken down Dormammu without this event. But we've seen a circumstance in which she didn't have to die; that he was still able to take on Dormammu. I know the absolute point in time is is specific to that specific timeline but in doctor strange the movie he defeats dormammu and we don't have to watch christine palmer die so there is an existence in which both things don't have to happen sure doctor strange has to lose his hands but this one i was able to pinpoint an exact moment in time within the mcu as to where the difference was this one i wasn't able to to pinpoint it maybe that affected 
how I'm, am I articulating what I'm trying to say, Alex? You look a little bit confused. Yeah, no, no, I think you are. I think the, the, the point is it's like, it's the plot device basically is it's this overarching idea of like, you can't mess with the plot device of the movie. The movie has to play out. So any which way you look, Christine has to die in this universe. But when you take it in the original MCU, it would be his hands. And so you would say in an alternate reality in that same universe, he breaks his hands, he goes to Comertage, sees the you know time stone and goes back in time so that he doesn't break his hands. And she would show up and say, you can't do that. Like you breaking your hands is the nexus point. And so he would, you know, fix his hands and something else would happen to break his hands. Like there's just, there's a point in any movie, Peter Parker with uncle Ben, like there's, there's certain nexus things for any superhero to have that put them on their superhero project trajectory. And they're just showing you like, what if there would be a different thing that wasn't his hands? What if it was his heart instead? Okay. Well, Jesus, I was, I, oh, go ahead, Robert. No, I was going to say, like, you know, who's who's missing from all this is Mordo. Like, I know he becomes an antagonist in the other movie, but he is he was the kind of guy that was like over his shoulder talking about messing with, you know, the fabric of reality. And he didn't have that in this in this what if episode. Like, he, he, like I said, he, he thought about Mordo not being there. Yeah, you're right. right. Interesting. Well, something that when we were setting up our outline, Mark, you put this in there that Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange is just simply destined to be broken yeah. in one way or another. And that kind of, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, I think that in, in probably every universe that, that there's strange, that's, there's something that is destined to pull him into into this destiny. And, and I like the way that you guys kind of explained it, that every superhero has an origin story or a genesis. His is that there has to be something that breaks on strange that humbles him in such a way that brings him on this quest to become the sorcerer supreme what i found really fascinating about um about this and and i don't want to get too far ahead is uh we so we've we've now speculated several times on almost every single episode of what if is is the universe ultimately better off in this universe than it was in in the uh, the timeline that that we see. I think we got our answer clearly this time that the answer was no. The answer is no. Um, but we've we've never seen past this point. We were just fortunate enough that in this timeline, I think the answer is definitively, if there's not something that humbles him in a way, the worst enemy of the universe is probably a Stephen Strange that is not damaged irreparably. Because the one thing that needs to be damaged is his pride and his ego, and him losing his heart, uh, it didn't it didn't take him down the peg that he needs to be taken down. And I think a, a Doctor Strange that's limitless is a bad Doctor Strange for the universe. But he needs to be broken in order to work, if that makes sense. And I'm so sh- I'm not sure if I completely agree. This this Doctor Strange seemed to be a lot more humble than the one that we're used to in the MCU. And I maybe that was just putting on a show for Christine. I, I really this one just seemed to be a little bit more grounded. Was he was he humble though, or was he just uh I don't know how to say yeah? I think this one was more driven. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. him him losing his heart just drove him further into into madness when he loses his hands it 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 makes him it it limits him in what he can do and it hum and it humbles him in a way that he needed to be humbled to realize that i mean he has a god complex even prior to going to kermitage he has he has a god complex and so when his hands were taken from him his abilities as a surgeon is what gave him sort of that that idea of I'm infallible, that I, I am a God amongst men. I can do anything I want. And these hands can deliver me that, that greatness when it's removed from him and he has to find another way that, that in the other universe is what limits him in his ability to do here. He doesn't have those limitations set upon him from the outset. He's just hurt. Him losing his heart was not enough to humble him. It just made him hungrier to gain more power and and that that was ultimately the quest for power that destroys the universe and creates that that universe destroying event. 
Alex, we get some serious Groundhog Day vibes of just having to relive this moment over and over. Even if he takes her to get pizza, she just gets completely held at gunpoint and killed in a restaurant. <laughs> like it was, it was dirty and dark. And we got um, Christine, uh, Christine from WHIH. I can't remember her name from Iron Man. And uh, Leslie Bibb is the is the voice actress. She she reprised her role, um, but she is from Iron Man and Iron Man Two. Um, but she, we even report like Steven stands her up and she dies in a building fire. Like these Groundhog Day vibes, Alex, were not easy to watch. Yeah, you know the only thing that made it easy to watch though was the amazing score of this episode. And I feel great. like after she gets hit by they get hit by the car or the truck. So on like the third go around of the death, there's this this crescendo in the music that's like really powerful, but also really sad at the same time. So it's like it feels uplifting, but you're you're get, you're immediately getting emotional because you know he's going to do this over and over, and you already know what's going to happen, but he doesn't, and he just tries every little thing. And it it really did get to the point when that guy walks into the diner. I was like, are you serious? Like he he, did, he didn't even want anything in the diner. He just wanted to kill Christina. <laughs> Like he just walks in and points the gun at her and shoots her. I was like, is, is that what your plan was? It was well, wild. Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he grabbed a crawler on the way out. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he did. Yes, and, exactly. and that I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was, it was, it was really stressful to watch, but it, you, you have to do that. I mean, the, the difference being with Strange's hands, like it's an internal struggle for him and it's something he thinks he can fix. So he goes to this doctor and that doctor and yada, yada, yada. But when somebody dies, you can't just go to a bunch of different doctors and be like, hey, can you bring this person back? They'd all say no. So like that part is him going back in time. So it's essentially him doing the same thing of trying multiple ways of doing this and it just never works. And Robert, we're going to go to you here. Um, why does she keep dying again? Maybe this is where I'm getting hung up because she doesn't die in the in the sacred timeline. She She doesn't. So to call this an absolute point in time, there's certain things that I would point to within the proper MCU that, that we're used to that I would call a proper um, or excuse me, an absolute point in time. But anything within Doctor Strange, I don't know if I would have ever pointed to it, but especially giving me this brand new one, maybe it's just not what I was used to. I really I really haven't been able to wrap my mind around it, but the entire concept of an absolute point in time is really interesting. I mean, yeah. But it was like you were saying, like the prime timeline, like, like it's it's him losing his hands, right? So I, I never got that concept of an absolute point in the first place because we see what happens in in the 616 universe. So, I mean, I, I guess just for this universe alone, like 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 uh, the ancient one says, like she has to die for him to defeat Dormammu, which we like you said, we've seen in the other one. It's, it's not necessarily the case, but I, I guess in this one alone, like him him going back and forth, on the same timeline is what's like kind of stretching the reality, like stretching the fabric of reality and making everything messed up in the first place. I don't know. What's interesting is strange and Caecilius would have a lot in common um, mm -hmm. between uh, Caecilius's character in Dr. Strange and who strange becomes in this one. There'd be, and he was noticeably absent as well um, for, right. for whatever reason. So how involved was Dormammu? We don't know if things play out the exact same way, but Mark, the absolute point in time, I think the best way we could look at it is if if Stephen Strange was true in the sacred timeline of there's 14 million, 14 million 605 ways for this to play out, the snap is probably the most absolute point in time that we would be used to on the sacred timeline. But the entire concept of the absolute point in time is really interesting. Yeah, this was the thing that we kicked around a lot. And I think that some a concept like this is going to become very important in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. Because, as we know, with the introduction now of the multiverse, the concept of absolute points or things that are destined to happen and cannot be changed, no matter how much you try, is go it's going to be a central idea. Is despite having multiple timelines, each one of them has an absolute point. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what can and cannot change within the various timelines that we're, we're obviously going to weave inside and out of. And um, I'm just reading Patrick's stuff, an absolute point in this universal timeline. It's often a plot point in Doctor Who as well. Yeah, I, it's just, it's really it's fascinating. To the timelines, that, that is for certain, yeah. Yeah. What what I asked is, you know, what other absolute points in time like have we not seen or do we not know about? 
because mm-hmm. if they're specific to the timeline and they're events that cannot be changed, I'm sure that we've already been introduced to others in 616 in the sacred timeline. And, you know, I like that you just brought up the, the snap. The, the snap has to happen. It can't, it can't be, yeah. it can't be stopped. It can only be I mean, pick any, pick any superhero. I mean, I, Iron Man's would be him going to that Jericho missile preview. Like he always has to get kidnapped by the 10 rings in order to become Iron Man and get humbled. Or like it, it would, rings. what was that? I said, or even are they the 10 rings? Just something to think oh, about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you pick whatever superhero you want to be the same thing with Thor of like him having that humbling experience of, right. of going down to earth and having to learn to get his hammer back. Like that probably has to happen in all the universes. Otherwise he would be, he would go insane with power or whatever that ends up being. Um, I, I think you could probably point to something for each movie too. Right. As long as uh, hope Van Dyne never worked for shield, then it'll work out. Okay. For Thor. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'm going to go to you to help kind of explain this to the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and pull that back up, Mark. Um, if there's an infinite universes, then there are likely infinite number of absolute set points. Yes, Sarah is absolutely correct. And that's something I just haven't been able to wrap my mind around. Something else that other people have not been able to wrap their minds around, Alex. And if you can try and explain this for people, for my benefit and others. Strange in the Ancient One battle, and this is far more important for the last 20 minutes of this episode... She splits the timeline. Can you kind of explain what's going on here? Yeah. So, it, I mean, I, I love that scene in general. So she's just blasts him with the dark dark dimension energy, I guess. You don't really know that's what it is at the time, but it just splits the, the timeline at that point. I almost picture it like when you're using a stopwatch and you click like the lap button and then it creates like a second timing as you're going forward. Uh, I, I'm just, I don't, obviously don't know how she did it, but I thought that whole concept was really cool. And really, like I said, it really added to this being just such a strange episode, like you were saying, Mark, of like, on top of the fact that we have this Doctor Strange getting to all these levels of power and evil, like, surprise, we also have two Doctor Stranges in two separate timelines. So it just really piled on that excitement. But it was a little surprising at first because I was like, oh, okay, that I, I guess that makes sense. Uh, and it made more sense the second time I watched it, but like I didn't catch any of it really the first time because I was so like, wow, that it felt very surprising. So the one Doctor Strange, did he use the Eye of Agamotto to go back in time and relive these deaths? And then when she split the timeline, he was then reset to the night where Ben or where Wong told him to to he's going to put on the kettle. Like so, he literally went back in time at that point. So it was one Doctor Strange until at that point when she split the timeline and then it was reset from there. Yeah, she like branched at that point. So in one, he just decides not to and then in the other one, he does. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, that's that's how I took it, at least if I'm incorrect, that he didn't travel to that to that other point in time. He traveled back before the the split even occurred. One Doctor Strange that we know and, and, and have come to love did make the wrong decision at some point in time by using the Eye of Agamotto to relive all these days. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I, 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 I've only seen it a handful of times. So I, I mean, three or four times, but I'm still, I'm still just, just struggling. And that's, no, I mean, think of it this way, the Dr. Strange in infinity war, if they'd have made that movie six hours long, they could have shown him in each of those millions of realities. He lived through all of those and he experienced all of those different realities where they die. And then he came back and said, okay, I know the one where we win. This is us just getting a more detailed view of what he sees when he's going through the time stone. Cause that's, that's part of that whole, you know, weirdness with the stone sort of thing. Like, yeah, he's there, but at the same time, he's also not there. Like he can just view it and not view it. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of tricky in that sense. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Robert, he goes what we assume we only have one Doctor Strange still at this point, and he goes to the Lost Library of Cagliostro. Do you have a comics knowledge of the Library of Cagliostro, Robert? Is that something I didn't really ask you about before we came on here? Are you familiar with it? Um, no, not really. No, I know, I know Cagliostro is like a real person in in, in history, but he was like a, an Italian uh, philosopher or something like that. I don't, I don't think he was a uh, a wizard, <laughs> like now, that. But now, Alex, no. <laughs> the character of Obang is Cagliostro in the comics. Is that correct? Yeah, I saw something about that somewhere. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not super familiar with some of the old Doctor Strange stuff, but I, I liked that. And I, w- I was wondering that on the first viewing of like, is this just? Because he even asks him. He's like, "Are you? Please tell me you're not Cagliostro." Right. And uh, it turns out that he's not. Which I liked. I like that we maybe he's even more ancient. Because like in the comics. 
uh, Agamotto is like an actual person and he's the original Sorcerer Supreme from like a million years ago. And so I kind of liked the idea that we don't even see Cagliostro because maybe he's so beyond in wisdom and power that maybe, maybe he died already and his library is just there or he lived for a thousand years. Like I, I loved the mystery behind that. Like Agamotto is one of those, like the Ashanti or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have the Ashanti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of my favorite episode or parts of this episode Kang in, came in the not Kang, whoa, Freudian slip maybe. Um, came from Obang when he calls him a uh, sorcerer Armani. Just yes, yes. I thought that was I thought that was absolutely great. But Mark, was there anything in the library of Cagriostro before we really got into everything that was standing out to you at all? So I I don't I'm not really familiar with with Doctor Strange. So a lot of this stuff was really new for me. So it was like a fresh set of eyes seeing these concepts like meeting Obang and not realizing that that was a nod to people who read the comics. And it was really a nod to, to like hardcore fans of Dr. Strange seeing the library. I just, the whole idea and the concept of it, um, you know, you, you said this earlier, this would be a perfect sequel to the origin movie. Like this, this would have been a great live action movie. Like just incredible to expand the universe of Dr. Strange, the lore of Dr. Strange, to uh, kind of expand upon the library of knowledge that's at their disposal and how it's seemingly limitless that for one who has the time and the devotion, the energy and the mastery to study, the mystic arts are like, uh, forgive me for like simplifying it, but like crazy OP. Like that you you can be like crazy overpowered. And then at the same time, to relate it, this is what makes Wanda so sick is she's so untrained and she knows none of this stuff and she is that powerful. And you have a person like Dr. Strange who studies for centuries to gain that power. And it like, it's fun. Like that's, I'm so into it. Like, but the, the great thing about this is this inspires me to then say like, have I missed out now for decades and do I need to go read more Dr. Strange? Cause I feel like, I need to get more of this in my life. I'm hoping that it's this dark and crazy and weird because this is pretty wonderful. I think Alex would say the answer to that question is. Oh yeah. 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 There's, some, there's some bits in this that I was, and I was trying to go like foam through on uh, Marvel unlimited of like the evil Dr. Strange's costume reminded me a lot of there was a run. It was either uh, Jason Aaron's run or it was on a cover. I saw it on a cover of a Captain Marvel one, but like just a different costume design that looked really cool. But the other thing that I caught too, and I'd be curious to see if you guys did, uh, when he was using a lot of his spells, especially during the fight, they were red instead of uh, orange, which reminded me of how Scarlet Witch's powers were like that. And so I was like, okay, they're probably tapping into the same sort of quote unquote, you know, evil energy, even, you know, we don't know what it is, but like they're on that same level at that point, which is why, like you said, it's just crazy that they're that OP. So Robert, I, now I assumed for the second time in the show, we are asking, was that Shuma Gorath is was the champion of Hydra. Do you think that one that we got at the end of the, what if episode one, was he summoning the same creature when he first started kind of trying to absorb and asking for, at this point, he was just asking for permission for a few of his tentacles. Uh, I don't know. I, it might've been Shuma Garath because the, uh, the tentacles in the first episode, when she severed herself from the portal, they just flopped around and just laid there. And this guy, when he, when he cut off the portal, the tentacles, you know, they started crawling towards him and he absorbed them. So maybe it was Shuma Garath. I don't know, like, 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 it seemed like, like he was absorbing all kinds of different mystic creatures, and I think I thought I caught Dormammu in there too. Like one of the faces he made, he actually absorbed Dormammu. It looked like. Yeah. Oh, I yes. didn't catch that. Yeah. Well, like with, with the eyes and everything. Yeah. This this was dark, and this went on for a while, and apparently centuries, mm-hmm. as we as we learn later on when Obang tells him. Hey, this went on for centuries. I mean, they they made it seem like it was at least a long time, but to for heaven, centuries. Like, imagine all the stuff that he was able to learn and absorb. But uh, Alex, this is I want to go to you on this. This is the first time where we get Uatu narrating kind of what's happening, like like literally, like he can talk to Doctor Strange, and then Doctor Strange can hear him say, "Oh, is is somebody there?" He wants to intervene. 
Yeah, I, I, this was perfect. As, as, as a big fan of, of him in the comics and seeing him always showing up like that. And I think there'd been some talk too about, you know, is he going to look like how he looks in the comics or is he really the, you know, the universe thing that we're seeing? And I'd always held out hope that he would be the way he is in the comics. And this kind of confirmed it because, you know, we see that he just has his regular face. Like he doesn't have a space face, but uh, was just so cool to see him kind of, again, narrating. And I, I think he almost didn't think that Strange could hear him. Uh, but then, it, and then, so I kind of took it as when he was like, a, someone there, there was like, oh, and then like disappeared, like, oh, I, I shouldn't have said that, and then left. He's like that little kid in the gift that kind of runs down the hall <laughs> pajamas, like, oh, he and he runs back the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But there, there is a uh, avatar on Disney Plus where he's he's got that orange, he's got that orange face. I would assume we're going to be seeing Uatu in more of his his comic accurate look. Well, I think they're doing it purposefully too. Where and and we're going to talk about this here in the in the second bit where he shows up. But like each episode, we see a little more of him. And I think at the very beginning, he's supposed to be this ambiguous in the stars kind of person and so slowly you're going to start seeing humanity throughout the show and once you see him as a regular guy i mean he's not a regular guy but you know looking sort of like a regular guy you you can you can relate with him a little more and then you you kind of see him that way alex you want to take this one uh yeah i mean it's uh the easy answer is that he you know he's absorbed a million billion souls and has been alive for centuries now studying everything so he's just ha- he's at that level now where he can sense things like that because his powers are just so off the charts. Joey Chestnut, watch out. You have some competition. <laughs> Dr. Strange can throw it down. Hot dog eating contest is on its way. Oh, old, please. <laughs> I love a Dr. Strange hot dog eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> And in case Sarah's question is, how is he able to hear the watcher? Sarah, the watcher is a physical being that is literally there in person watching watching this watching this happen it's not like he's some omnipotent i mean he is but he's not like it's hard to explain but he's literally a physical being that is that is there in the room watching this happen but i i mean even him wondering aloud is should i really do this and then he like kind of convinces himself not to oh he probably wouldn't listen to me anyway like that's really really interesting stuff we're only four episodes into what is either a nine or ten episode first season run we don't know for sure i think it's now nine it used to be ten but i think it's now nine um, IMDb is only showing nine at least. Um, yeah, but, but if you remember, really... Bad Batch did the same thing where they we knew it was sixteen, but they only showed fifteen because they didn't want to release the the, the title of the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're 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 only halfway through the first season, and he's already contemplating getting intervened. There's 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 a I think I've talked about it on this show before where there's a Hyundai ad that he's literally fighting with Carol Danvers. Like, so I would assume that he's going to intervene at some point. And what is that going to do to the, to the multiverse? Uh, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, but Robert centuries have passed. He just, like you said, Dormammu. Um, I didn't pick up on that. I love that he steals the cloak from the, uh, the bug, yeah. and then sends the bug back through. But just this entire scene was really, really dark, really, really intense. Yeah, I mean that that's like what Mark was saying earlier. Like he has no he has nothing to humble him, so he's just, just like consumed with power just just to get Christine back. Like he has this kind of arrogance where he can fix everything. So he's just going through, even though he's got countless warnings from the ancient one, from from uh from Obang, and uh you know, he just he doesn't care. He, I, I can fix this. I, I don't care what you guys say, I'm gonna just mm-hmm. keep consuming. And like Mark was saying, you, you have nothing to hold you back. Was it arrogance or was it simply love for Christine? No, it's arrogance. I think I, it's, it's arrogance. I think it's arrogance. I think it's arrogance. He 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 knows he can fix everything. Yeah, I mean that that's the ultimate that's the ultimate goal. But I, I think it's more. You said I can't, so watch me. Right. I think, I think it branches at some point. I think I think initially it's love, right? And then you know, as after the first hundred years, though, it's probably more arrogance than love because that's probably faded over the years in his pursuit of knowledge. Yeah, but let's be honest. Even in the sacred timeline, like he he's not a perfect disciple. He's not a perfect student. He dabbles no. in stuff he should not. He reads books he should not. Um, he meddles with artifacts that he has no business touching or being anywhere near. Like this is. I, I hate no matter what universe it is, his worst enemy is himself. Like Dr. Strange, his worst enemy is the impulses that he has and the God complex that he has. He's his own worst enemy. That's a great point. Yep. Well, talking about being his own worst enemy, go ahead, Mark. We get 
a really great action scene between Stephen Strange and this Doctor Strange Supreme. Yeah, this was like a clone fight on Street Fighter when it's like Ken versus Ken. It was all yeah. it was awesome, you know. Um, I thought it was it was really like again it, it was trippy. It was a really trippy moment. Uh, it was cool to see, you know, and and as it's already been said, the the red magic being used instead of the, that typical orange. There were a lot of differences between the two, um, and I liked the dialogue between the two that they were almost trying to rationalize with each other. And while he is, you know, the while he is strange supreme, and he's definitely been altered by the consumption of these evil beings over the course of centuries. There's still there's still something in there that's reachable, but he's now at this point he's just convinced that this is the only way that I can achieve this ultimate power to do whatever I want to do, and he's just been corrupted by that. There's no there's no going back at that point. Alex, if you were paying attention to the marketing, even the first trailer, we saw some of this fight, but they held some back for the for the for the show. There were some really good visuals in this fight. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch anything from this first fight. More so, and I, I, when I was watching, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me that they did this!" That the, literally, like the last scene as the universe was collapsing, when he holds his hands out and oh, is blasting yeah. in the sky. I was like, "That's what they're showing in the previews." But yeah, no, this the fight was phenomenal. This remind, yeah, literally that bit. Um, it reminded me a lot of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, or just Dragon Ball Super was what I'd watched recently. But like I saw some, they got the Destructo discs of him throwing all of those discs. And then also a little bit of that Gallic gun when he just fires his hand off and it's just the giant beam going off at him was awesome. Uh, the other thing I wanted to call out too was in prep for this fight. Uh, I just thought, and I know very auspicious for the timing of the movies and shows and all of that sort of stuff. But I just, I loved Wong's prep with Strange. I loved that he is like giving him all of these different runes and protection spells as he's fading away and mm -hmm. just, you know, shows you just what a badass Wong is and what a good guy he is at the same time too, that, I mean, I guess he, he's seen some stuff, so he probably gets it. He wasn't, you know, like, Oh, I don't believe you. But at the same time, if I was, you know, disintegrating, I, you know, he's got such perfect calm and focus as he's putting, and that ends up being what saves his life in a sense, or at least saves it for a good portion of time. He just beats the runes right off of him too. And I was like, dang. Uh, and, well, and that was so cool to see the, the, the progression of their disintegration. Cause at the very beginning, nothing happens. And then even when Supreme strange is like fighting him, he actually gets shocked by the runes and it knocks him back. Yeah. But then towards the very end, like all they're doing is basically protecting his face and body until he just is able to swipe the last one off. And just really cool to see in an animated so version too. I want to ask you guys this because I gen, I genuinely don't know. And I'm, I'm not saying this to Raz, so at the end of this, when the universe essentially collapses in, it looks like he's just like in a in a bubble. Is that like mm -hmm. the is that eternity for him at that point? Is he's doomed to just be in this prison by himself with his yeah. own That's thoughts? It looks for, like he's not going to be saved from from right. the actions. Like everybody else gets to at least be saved by his actions, but he has to live with. That's how I took it. But yeah, I mean, the whole universe just is gone. So all that all that's left of it is just nothingness and this Including tiny Christine. ball floating in the middle of nothing. Is, right. and so, Christine's gone too, though, so it's just him. Yeah, yeah so yeah. is so follow-up, is there escape from this prison for him? Yeah, if the watcher if the watcher wants to. Well, I'm, that's, I'm that's what I would see is you know, in the future, maybe if if they do get to this bit where they're doing an Avengers thing, maybe the watcher does decide to intervene and he goes back and shows up and says, like, come with me and or, you know, get them out. Or the timeline start crossing and what if? Well, maybe. that's well, yeah, that's where my mind was going is hey, mm -hmm. I know that we have a Doctor Strange who is seemingly doing some really odd things in Spider-Man. What if what if that's not him? What if this is like Strange Supreme that's doing a lot of these awful things with the timeline. Please don't. I, I thought that too, but it's a total, like this strange looks totally, I, I feel like this one looks like way more gone. He's got, I mean, obviously you can change your clothing, but the way that he looked, I thought that, but I don't know. I don't think it would be this strange. There's, I don't know if they'd be able to pull that he's off. He's just going to listen. Though, yeah. He's going to listen to my chemical romance for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, please. I don't want to. I don't want to go that far. I don't. They that would take some serious cojones to pull that off. Like I know. No, I don't think there's any. Well, way. yeah. Hey, what if that's the misdirect, right? I mean, we're saying that Strange's face looks weird in the trailer, which could easily just be because it's CGI manipulation. 
and they've cleaned it up a la uh, Cavill's mustache so that maybe he does look different in the movie and they've tried to make him look normal, but our eyes can catch it because the CGI is kind of wonky. Oh man! You never know. <laughs> be a long three months, and hopefully it's only three months because Shang Chi did so well. Um, but Robert, we 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 talked about uh, Strange kind of trying to blast that blast that away. We have a full conversation between Uatu and and Strange here at this point. Well, just like they were, like he said in the, in that in the episodes, like you've had you've had plenty of warnings, and it, you know if if. I forget exactly what he said, but you know, he's like, if if I could, you know, I I would I would save everybody else and let you know, leave you to your fate. But I mean, it's it's like, you know, he's got all this power, and, and it seems like all these all these entities that he's stealing power from actually want to like bring an end to the universe, and they kind of got their way, right? They 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 like what what does Obang say? Like the, like these these entities, they don't bargain. Right, so you you steal you steal their powers, and they they wind up getting what they want anyway, which is the opposite. We're well, not the opposite is different than what Strange wanted in the first place. He just wanted Christine back, and these other things wanted like some kind of bring some kind of destruction or or darkness to to the timeline. And when that's we, what they wind up getting. We didn't talk about it either, but he loses physical control of his physical appearance when he brings Christine back. She comes back to a very demon looking. Right. Demon looking Doctor yeah. Strange, and he—I don't, don't even think he knows what he looks like at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, she starts to fade away immediately because he crumpled this entire universe. Mm-hmm. And 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 Mark, we get to see what the what the death of a timeline looks like. The the Watcher still can watch, um, but the death of a timeline is is brutal. Yeah, yeah. I this this is what I sat and and thought about. Like I said, I had a lot of contemplation about. Seeing him in that cell, it like kind of rang of, I, I know it's DC, but like um, Zod just like chilling, <laughs> chilling in that, like the mirror dimension. It's oh, like Phantom Zone. Yeah. Yeah. And the Phantom Zone. So it's like mm-hmm. in, in essence, I was, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, so we have Dr. Strange in some collapse, collapsed timeline dimension, chilling in the universe with a Watu knowing that he's there He's not going to expire. Is there some event that winds up freeing him either for what if or hopefully for something in the live uh, action universe? And here's me with fingers crossed, hoping that we get some kind of evil reprise from Dr. Strange Supreme. But would he be evil? Oh, absolutely. Did he actually? I don't know if he may. I mean, he I think he wouldn't be anymore. I think he I think he hit his age. Yeah. yeah, I think especially if you've got him sitting alone in a dead universe for, you know, at that point, time doesn't even exist anymore. So who knows how long he's sitting there thinking on what he's done. And he he admits that he's messed up. And, and he says something really interesting there when he says, uh, don't punish the world for my arrogance. And I don't think a bad person would say that unless they had that change of heart at the very end. And so I think if they they pull up, that's why it makes sense for him to be on the Avengers later, for him to be like, he's essentially that strange. Maybe he still has these powers too, but now he can harness them and he's more of an anti-hero in that sense. Only in the sense that you absorbed all these people, that's not very good, but like all his intentions going forward are good. So unless long, of course the demon takes it. And over. I think, yeah, I was going to say, so long, so long as he's learned how to control those entities that he's exactly. ingested, yeah, yeah. if he's still, I mean, he might still be in there and he might still be good. And you see that too, when he's fighting himself, that there are elements of him that, that strange is getting through to him. But I don't yeah. know if he's in control of his faculties at that moment, because Again, he spent centuries devouring evil, pure evil, and I don't know if he's in control of himself at that point. Well, and that's the the question being at that moment when your guys' logo shows up in the show, is that in a sense him not necessarily expelling all of the demons, but essentially maxing them out and using them up in terms of, you know, all the power they've given him, he's using it to destroy the universe. Once it's destroyed, their power is gone as well. Like he kind of used it up. Yeah. But I have to go watch it again though, because like, does his face look different? I don't remember if he looks I have less to, yeah, I have to look him. at that last shot. Good point. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Yep. And, and his heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> Gentlemen, I would love to finish the episode by speculating a little bit on this question that Juice is asking. 
Do you think he'll only continue continue to talk to Doctor Strange, Uatu? What do you expect to see from Uatu specifically um, going forward? Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah, I would definitely. I'll, I'll. I would say I'll see him, especially with this next episode, since they already revealed the poster for it being Marvel Zombies, which is really exciting. I could see him maybe showing up there. Uh, I guess, but I, I, he can talk to whoever he wants. So it's gonna be. It's gonna have to be. You'd think about it, it's gonna have to be something as serious or more serious than the death of a universe, because he didn't interfere when all of the Avengers died. And, you know, that would have been a pretty big deal, I would have assumed. So, yeah, I'm so it's going to have to be something pretty serious. I'm so jacked for Marvel Zombies. I can just only hope. I know. I, I can know. only that, hope. That was probably and, my favorite episode looking forward uh, to. I can just only hope and pray that it's as dark and strange and weird as this last episode was. Please. Yes. I, I do expect Uatu's uh, interventions or, or uh, appearances to kind of exponentially grow yep. as the as the show goes. I don't see it kind of peaking and then going back down and then coming back up. I think they have they have structured exactly how they want him to be getting involved and get closer and closer. So when he finally does get involved near the end of the season, I would assume um, it's going to be really, really interesting. Robert, do you do you see it playing out in a similar manner? Not for the zombies one, but there's one. I don't, I don't, I don't know if everybody's watched purposely not watched all the uh, promotional material, but there's one spot that I think he will intervene. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to give too much of it away. Yeah, you like gotta said, be careful. Yeah, you gotta be really yeah. careful with that nowadays. I I just mentioned. I mean, this was like two years ago. I just mentioned on a, a Facebook group how much I loved at the time Gina Carano before like she went like full on crazy. <laughs> how I loved Gina Carano in, in this. And some woman like flat out went off me and, and like kicked me from the group was like spoilers. And I'm like, you didn't see the promo materials to know that Gina Carano was in it. So you got to just be careful. Cause we assume right. people watch the trailers or that some people flat out avoid everything. They don't want to know. Yeah. Anything. Mm -hmm. Alex said that was Shang-Chi. Yeah. I only saw the first two trailers and that was it. It was great. I went and rewatched all the clips afterwards and I was like, they really gave a lot away in these <laughs> clips and featurettes. It's just insane what they're yeah. doing. Don't get me started on that. That's there still, there's still plenty of surprises. Yes. Uh, but gentlemen, I would love to finish up this episode like we have come to become accustomed to on Earth's Mightiest Weirdos with a Family Feud Marvel question. Oh, no. Name the Marvel hero most likely to enjoy rock music. Mark Valentine, we'll start with you. Iron Man. Number one. Alex. The Thing. No. What? Are you serious? He's made of rocks. <laughs> like it. It's okay. clever. I like it. Robert. Thor. Number three. There are seven answers on the board. Mark. Star-Lord. Number five. Is he a hero? Name the Marvel hero most likely to enjoy I was with Venom, but he's not a hero. Uh, I remember these lists, so it's probably like the Hulk. Number two. Yep, there you go. Robert. Hawkeye. <laughs> One left. I think this would be so silly if it's on there, but again, I'm remembering the general public answers these. It should not be Captain America, but that's what I'm going to go with. He is number seven. He shouldn't be on there. Those are the same answers from the, uh, <laughs> the vice president question, too. He, I, he should not be on Avengers. there. Captain America should not be on there, but I'm I'm hedging my bet. I think he likes opera music. He or does. Like, uh, you know, you and number six. Dude, people are going to pick Avengers. <laughs> yeah, what, it's Black Widow. Three strikes. Number four yes. is Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Uh, Spider and number six is Groot. I don't know why. But okay, okay. I was gonna say one one of the two is is definitely Spider Man, but I didn't know I wouldn't have gotten Groot. Alex, what's going on in comics and cinema land? Uh well, not not much currently. We just wrapped up that Chung Chi episode, which was a blast. If you guys have seen it, check it out. Uh, dive into a lot of different themes from that movie. Uh, eventually, we'll be doing a what if episode on uh, all of the episodes after they end. But uh, I kind of go off on the seat of my pants, so there's a bit of surprise there. I won't I wouldn't say exactly what's coming up next. We'll just we'll see what's in the pipeline. But yeah, got talking about all kinds of stuff on there. Robert, you got anything going on? Nope. <laughs> Earth's mightiest weirdos, dude. Anytime. Oh, well, if you guys Anytime have me back on, yeah. Here. Anytime. We love having you on, man.
an open sure. invite. And then in this is life land, uh, so kingdom smorgasbord on Wednesday. Yeah. So like we just, Dwayne and I just riffed on the magic kingdom. We, I mean, I hit him with every possible question of like favorite ride, favorite, this favorite, that this or that destroy a ride. Just like, who do you want to wait in line for Cinderella or Tiana? Like it was just the random musings that came to my head and it was fun. We had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. Good stuff. Well, a panic, but then I handled it. Gentlemen, for all time. Always. Always.